Hey guys, sorry for the interruption. I'm Dave, creator, host, narrator, writer, producer, and, well, I guess you could just say the mind behind AIC Stories. That's right. Like you guys probably know, AIC Stories is a very small, independent, one-man operation. And as you probably know, creating a podcast, especially one with multiple series like AIC Stories, takes a lot of work, a lot of time, effort, and, let's be honest, a lot of money. That's why I wanted to take just a second to let you know that if you love AIC Stories and want to help support the show, you can do that now in a couple different ways, including at buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories. Buy Me A Coffee is a way for you as a listener to help keep the lights on and keep the stories flowing. Every little bit helps, and while I was very hesitant to even think about asking anyone for money because, well, who likes to do that? I had more than a few people ask how they could help support AIC Stories, and I figured, why not? People were asking, so let's give you guys the option. And truly, the support means the world to me, so I do sincerely thank you for that. Of course, I know not everyone is in a position to financially support the show through Buy Me A Coffee, but that doesn't mean you still can't help me out immensely. If you can take a second to leave a rating and review, or even just share the show on social media or tell your friends about all the great storytelling content happening right here at AIC Stories, you'll be helping me out just as much as any financial support through Buy Me A Coffee would. And I'm eternally grateful for any and all help that you guys can give me. Like I said, this is a small independent podcast and it takes a lot of work to keep this thing going and any of this help that you can do really just means the world to me and helps me keep delivering better and better content to you guys each and every week. So jump over to buymeacoffee.com slash AIC stories or just visit AICstories.com and you'll find all the links right there if you want to help financially support AIC stories. Or, of course, you can find me on social media everywhere at AIC Stories. And you can leave a rating, review in the podcast player of your choice. So share the show, tell your friends, rate and review if you can. And if you're able to and interested, buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories is where you can go to financially support the show and, and help keep these stories flowing. I do truly appreciate it. I'm sorry for the interruption here. Now, let's get to our regularly scheduled programming. Mystery Minnesota is an original fiction podcast from Adventures in Creativity Productions. Call it an anthology of strange stories, mysteries of a punishing land, and the people that call it home. And these stories impacted one man's life in a way he never anticipated. Believe them or don't. But remember, these stories are told in order, so make sure and start at the beginning. Don't worry, we'll be here whenever you catch up. Welcome to Mystery Minnesota. The ability of a person's spirit to travel to distant places. That's the Webster's Dictionary definition of astral projection. Joni Faustin just called it traveling, and if what she had been telling us about her adventures was real, hmm, well, that seems like a pretty cool tool in the old toolbox. Except it's a tool that can turn around and cut you deeply if you aren't careful. You might find yourself exposed to extreme pain. Sure, it's not physical pain, but physical pain scars over and heals. This is deeper. It's the mental and spiritual pain deep inside, the kind that never really leaves you. 
the loss of a loved one is difficult, but when you're there with them and forced to just watch but not intervene as they pass from this earth, that's a helpless feeling like no other added to that painful loss. If only you could have found a way to do something. That's a phrase that would haunt you the rest of your days. Joni told us how she watched her son die in the war. That deep sadness switched to a determined ferocity. A warm look returning as the darkness passed. It was a look of hope. My brother and I, we were spellbound and staring in disbelief. Our coffee had grown cold as she told us about her travels. and as she freshened our coffee with a fresh pot and brought out some fresh made lefsa with the warm butter and sugar on a platter next to it, my, my brother spoke up. We had hardly spoken since she met us at the door, hadn't needed to. It was like she knew all about us and what we'd been through and what we were looking for. He wanted to know what I had begun wondering as well, and thank God he was the outspoken one between us because I was too chicken to ask, but... The question was simple and to the point. While all this is amazing, what does it have to do with us or with our search for Mystery Minnesota? You know, I'll never forget the way she smiled at us like the best surprise was yet to come and she was just waiting for us to open that last special gift. The one she tucked back behind the Christmas tree so we wouldn't open it until the very last. Well, I was just about to get to that. After watching her son killed in front of her, seeing him get pulled up and away, realizing how he had seen her in that moment, she knew he was out there somewhere. So she began searching. Every day she'd search, calling his name as she traveled, looking for him anywhere she could imagine, until one day she looked up to the stars. Maybe he was out there somewhere, hidden in the blackness and emptiness of space, waiting for the end times to join the Lord in his heavenly kingdom. So she quit looking here on earth. She realized that whatever the invisible rope that tied her to her body was, it was apparently of endless length, so she traveled the stars. She spent years visiting planets never seen by mankind before, searching the deepest edges of our galaxy, but still nothing. Whatever she hoped to find in space, she only found solitary, cold blackness. The further she traveled, the darker and lonelier it felt. 
but she knew he had been pulled somewhere, so she pushed on. One day, while traveling to the deepest regions of space, she was further than she had ever gone, and that blackness in front of her suddenly seemed to shift. In a way that you, you watch a whale shift slowly in front of you, that blackness turned and it was incredibly large. Larger than she could really comprehend, but it was evil. She could feel its evilness and it was turning towards her. She couldn't help herself. She edged in a little closer, wondering if this was where her son had been pulled. That terrible blackness seemed to be staring at her, this tiny speck at the foot of the mountain. Its complete disregard and contempt pulsed through her mind, like vibrations starting behind her eyes and moving steady towards her feet. When it reached her waist, she recoiled in horror at the feeling of that rope that tethered her to her body was being severed, one strand, one vibration at a time. Uh, she panicked, and as she fought the vibrations attempting to hold her still, she grabbed hold of that invisible lifeline and pulled with all her strength as her body and spirit crashed back together, and she woke in her chair with a gasp. Whatever it was, it was going to take her, and if it had severed that rope, she would have never gotten back to her body which meant never finding her son. She wasn't sure how she knew that, but she just knew. And it was many years after that until she dared travel again. Staring into that evil blackness, well, it put a fear in her that she had a hard time being willing to risk ever again. Finally, though, her, her need to find her son pulled her reluctantly back to her travels. That, and she was much older now, her, her days were fading fast, and she wanted to spend whatever time she could enjoying the beauty of Minnesota's wilderness. So she began to enjoy long, wandering walks through the large forests of northern Minnesota, which is when she first saw the cars in that valley not far from here. Off in the distance, through the trees, there looked to be some sort of small village or town hidden away behind that swamp. But that wasn't right. She'd lived here her whole life and there was no town there that she was aware of. As she moved towards the town, past all the cars parked there, it all vanished. It flickered away like a film reel that's gone haywire and the frame burned away before they could kill the power melting away as the swamp and forest showed up to take its rightful place. My brother and I looked at each other. If, if we were any more on the edge of our seats, we would have been laying on our faces on the floor. <laughs> she just smiled at us, a, a look of wonder and excitement, and told us how she continued to visit that place. She'd see the cars maybe one out of every ten visits at first, but then it started happening more often over the last few years. You see, she was there when Walter had sat on that hillside, staring in amazement at the cars that had suddenly appeared, followed him as he told his story to Arnie the next day. And she noticed while in that scorched and diseased land around the Selfridges, 
that she could do things she normally couldn't. There was some sort of connection to that mysterious valley full of cars and the village beyond. Able to move things, to interact with the physical world around their home, she made a habit of visiting them every day after visiting the Valley of Cars. The cars, she said, would stay in place if she stayed back up on the hillside, but whenever she moved closer, it would vanish, burning away quickly and it wouldn't return for days. But there were other things there, mean things, Vile creatures, evil and hatred burned in their every movement. She told us how last winter one such creature met its demise among the cars as, as she was watching from the hillside. One minute all was still, the, the cars sat silently in the snow of the valley. The smells of food and wood smoke drifted from that village beyond. The, the next moment there was a flash and a flurry of activity. A grim-faced man with ice-cold eyes had hold of this beast and was ripping it and tearing it apart with his bare hands. Black fur flew and floated through the air while blood splattered the snow and the cars. It was over as quick as it began and the man stood and looked up to her. He nodded as he walked off down a trail she could see beyond the cars and then he was gone. She knew it would all vanish when she tried, but she had to anyways. That man had seen her, looked right at her just like her son all those years before. So she followed. This time she went real slow, making her way between the cars until she reached the bloody remains of whatever that evil creature had been. Its blood soaking the snow and a smell of something minty still hung in the air. She shot me a knowing look and my brother stared in shock, Lefsa hanging out of his mouth temporarily forgotten. So he had done it. Roger had managed to exact his bloody revenge for Jimmy, but where did he go? Joni continued. She made it a few steps down the trail, could see the glinting and twinkling lights through the trees and the sounds of laughter drifted on the cool winter air. Whoever was in that town seemed, well, happy I guess. But there was also something a bit off, like that happiness was slightly distorted, wavy, like trying to look through the bottom of a glass bottle and seeing the world as just a little distorted and off beyond it. She stood there for a long time, just watching and listening, waiting for it all to vanish once again. There were even a few dogs barking in the distance. This place called to her. There was something special, something magical happening here and she'd stood around long enough. She took another step towards whatever lay beyond and saw that stony-faced man approach. The pelt of that creature he had just ripped apart still in his hands. His eyes were cold and hard, his voice commanding but yet so gentle. He stood there in front of her, blocking the trail. He hadn't needed to speak. She could see in his eyes what he was telling her, but softly he greeted her. Hello, Joni. I know you want to join us, but... This way is not yours. Not yet. Soon, 
but not yet. Be patient. You'll find entry when the time is right, and it will arrive through Maggie and Arnie Selfridge. Keep an eye on what's happening there. Help however you can. And if you succeed, we'll have your home ready and waiting. His words hung in the air as it all burned away once again. Mystery Minnesota is an Adventures in Creativity production written, produced, and performed by David Swiduck. You can find out more about the show and all of the others at AICpod.com. If you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to reach out to us on social media by following at AIC Stories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or, of course, you can email us via the contact form on the site. If you want to support the show and help more people discover and uncover the mysteries we're exploring, you can leave us a review or, most importantly, share Mystery Minnesota with your friends. Look, no matter where you hang out, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram, word of mouth is still the best thing you can do to help support life here in Mystery Minnesota. So don't be shy. Let people know what's up. Of course, we'd love it if you checked out all of the other storytelling fun happening with Adventures in Creativity Productions as well. So, while you're at AICpod.com, go ahead and explore all of the other content right there. You can get all of the great projects, like Faded Words and Adventures in Creativity, in one convenient place by subscribing to AIC Stories in the podcast app of your choice really is the best way to keep up with everything we have coming up for you on Adventures in Creativity Productions. But if you only want to follow the story of Mystery Minnesota, you can find us under Mystery Minnesota in your podcatcher or at anchor.fm slash mystery Minnesota. So get yourself all caught up and stick with us because there's more to the story here in Mystery Minnesota. <laughs>